Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait, you look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money? A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV, starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start, Start saving, saving today. today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer. Sling. You can support this podcast at Patreon.com slash Partners in Crime Media. This week's Lawn Order Marathon winner is Ashley Gallagher of Lexington, Kentucky. Ashley will get a marathon decal showing she watched 26.2 hours of her favorite crime show. To be next week's winner, sign up at lawandorderpodcast.com. I'm Kevin Flynn with Kimberly and Rebecca Lavoie, and these are their stories. You think you know who did it, but you don't know who did it. Law and order, law and order, law and order. It's no ordinary police procedural, baby. It's the FNOG of police procedures, baby. Law and order, law and order, law and order, law and order. These are their stories. Welcome to These Are Their Stories, the podcast about Network TV's most enduring crime franchise and the real-life cases that inspired their shows. I'm Kevin Flynn. Each podcast will break down an episode from either Criminal Intent, SVU, or Original Recipe. And today we're looking at SVU Season 19, Episode 17, Send in the Clowns. (laughs) That's right, Jimmy. She's yours. You've been sleeping with your own daughter. Can't wait. Joining me to do just that is true crime author and host of Crime Writers On and Slate's Mom and Dad Are Fighting podcast, Rebecca Lavoie. Hello, Rebecca. You forgot to include podcast prodigy in my bona fides, Kevin. That's right. By uh, <laughs> Child podcast prodigy. You were competing by age six. <laughs> <laughs> no thanks to your father. And rounding out the panel is our special guest, don't use my last name, Kimberly, from Date with Dateline. Hi, Kimberly. Hi, I feel like I'm the clown when you're like, send in the clowns. Here's Kimberly. <laughs> <laughs> now, explain why you and your, your partner, Katie, are incognito. I have no idea. I think pe- we just think people will be really disappointed if they find out that we're just normal people. So <laughs> Oh, so it's like Cher or Prince. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so we post pictures like every Friday on our Facebook of who we are, but sometimes it's like Bobby and Peggy Hill from King of the Hill or, <laughs> you know, Dorothy and um, Sophia from Golden Girls. And we're like, that's who we are as a joke. <laughs> so I think people are actually just getting frustrated and want to know who we are. So I have a theory. Yeah. Um, they haven't yet figured out that they have the ability to, with their podcast, turn people into Dateline NBC fans like they've managed to turn me into. And they're mm-hmm. they're worried about, you know, their professional creds or whatever. But they shouldn't be worried about that because their podcast is amazing. So wait, are you saying we have some sort of like mythical power to, to make do. people yeah. date? OK, yeah, I would, <laughs> I'm, I'm down with that. I would brew in a cauldron all the time and we put in little leaning pants and converse <laughs> shoes and things like that and we we hope that the wisps that come out of the cauldron will lean across the country and make everyone a fan a lock of keith morrison's hair perhaps yeah, yeah. <laughs> my parents ran into him at froyo like years ago and we still talk ah. about it and i'm still furious that they didn't get any part of his dna that i could clone him <laughs> 
Did your parents ever bump into Ice T or uh, you know Mariska Hargitay? No, I think I would just die, and my mom would think it was really an SVU episode. <laughs> and she would immediately start looking for a dead body. Yeah, exactly. So tell us about your relationship with SVU. Are you a fan of its crime drama or its ridiculous melodrama? Um, I would say more the crime drama. And I felt like I was watching with a level of innocence and didn't really notice how melodramatic it was until I was listening to your podcast. And now it's all I can see. Now when I look at the extras that are playing the jury members, I'm like, oh, that's bad acting. And <laughs> the lawyers, and I'm like, wow, that guy's supposed to be a lawyer? And before, I just watched for the crazy storylines. And, and Mariska, of course. She's a draw for me. So while she has like uh, enhanced... Dateline NBC for us, we have ruined SVU for her. Yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Not ruined, just it's like an alternate appreciation. <laughs> like watching a soap opera or like 90 Day Fiance. The reason you watch that is different than why you watch like an actual good show. <laughs> Kimberly, of all the franchises, which two cops are your favorite detective team? Favorite law and order detective team. I, I'm going to get so much flack for this. Is I love Ice T. Really, I do. I mm-hmm. like him with anybody. Do you guys, or am I alone in this? No, you're not no, alone. No, no, no. A lot of people have said this. They love Munch and Finn Munch has and Finn. come up quite a bit. Yeah, people yeah. love Finn. And Finn is more or less, we see him right now, he's kind of swingman. He's, he's kind of just by himself, floating back and forth between right. whomever. And I think his mm-hmm. real life personality really bleeds into the character. Like, he was doing an AMA on Twitter this week, and someone was like, uh... And we know you're interested in like directing and producing. Do you ever want to direct an episode of SVU? And he was like, nope. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Which is literally what he said to Rollins when she was like, you have to watch Paw Patrol. Has Jaden seen Paw Patrol? Uh, Jesse is obsessed with it. You got to watch it. No. I don't. No, I don't. <laughs> and then he just walks away. The, John Mulaney, the comedian, had like the best bits about Ice-T, and I think that's where I started getting my appreciation for him. Do you have a favorite prosecutorial team? Favorite law and order district attorney prosecutorial team. Well, I've just, I'm, I'm really, this is hard for me to talk about, the whole legal side, because I'm still sort of reeling from the loss of Barba. Right. It just happened, <laughs> and it's like really fresh for me. I'm on like day six of sitting Shiva for my loss for (laughs) Raphael Barba. Um, I'm not quite over it. I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. It was really traumatic for me because I thought they were going in a different direction. I really was shipping him and Liv and now he's just like gone. People thought like that about all of the characters. After he got the night that he, you know, left the show, I saw a woman on Twitter who was like devastated because she had been writing... (laughs) Barba Carisi fan fiction where they were <laughs> together. I think it was Barisi was their ship name. <laughs> Barber and Carisi, I love it. Now let's look at the first half of this episode, SVU, season 19, episode 17, Send in the Clowns. We open on a shot of a man in a creepy AF clown mask <laughs> making his way towards a 16-year-old girl at an underground raver. What could possibly happen? <laughs> the teen is Haley Sadler, a piano prodigy in New York, on a music school field trip. The chaperone, Mr. Turner, and Haley's parents are desperate to get her back. So what happened last night? Haley and Jenny must have snuck out. 
It's supposed to be lights out at 10. Does Haley know anyone here in New York? Maybe a boyfriend? No, Haley doesn't have boyfriends. Her whole life is the piano. Haley sent a phone video from the kidnapping clown's car showing his face in his place of employment. Turns out the clown works in a butcher shop. The detectives go back to Vinnie Drago's apartment and they find Haley's clothes covered in her blood and her necklace in his trunk. A video turns up of Drago dragging a large duffel bag to a pier. I'm no detective, but it's starting to look like this meat cutter creepy clown is good for this crime. <laughs> well. <laughs> you would think that. Haley's body is still unaccounted for. Drago swears the duffel bag was filled with, and here's a new one, hundreds of pounds of meat past the expiration date he was illegally selling to a restaurant. Mm. Yum. Stone thinks there's not enough evidence to charge him for murder, but when he sees a news report of Haley playing the piano, he realizes in that moment her life actually does have meaning (laughs) and seeks an indictment. All right, so we're going to start at this raver. From the looks of the party, I'm pretty sure that no one at SVU in the writing room has ever been to a raver. (laughs) Well, it's supposed to be like like an under-18 club or whatever. It was a 16 16 over. Yeah. Yeah. All I could think about when I was watching the scene was Stefan on Saturday Night Live. He was like... (laughs) This party has everything. <laughs> it has young girls in sparkly bow ties, massage parlor techno, music prodigies, mimes, <laughs> close-up magicians. Close-up magicians. I did not understand that it was... I was like, is it Halloween? It was a circus-themed <laughs> dance party. That's what the writers chose to call it. They didn't say rave. They were like, circus-themed dance party? Okay. It's like the dance music version of the Eyes Wide Shut orgy. It's like it doesn't go like that. <laughs> no. It also no. doesn't start at 8 p.m. because they were there from like 8 to 10, right? Can yeah. we even? Can, that was my question is <laughs> because we kept cutting back to Ice T's birthday party in the precinct. <laughs> Happy birthday. <laughs> nah. Wow. Thank you. Hey, this is my grandson, y'all. That's what's up. Big, come to Pop Pop. What's up, man? <laughs> And it was like, it was supposed to be like almost 10 o'clock, but his grandson, the baby, was there and they're having cake and all the detectives are there at 10 o'clock at night. Yeah, but listen, they have their lives. We have ours. (laughs) (laughs) Now, the whole time the clown is hitting on her and they're hanging out and macking, he never takes the mask off. Right. And would you ever like be like, that's the guy that I want to, as we know later, like use as my mark? Like the guy in the creepy clown mask? No. You would choose some creepy like banker looking dude. You wouldn't choose like, I don't know. It was a little weird to me because she might actually have been murdered. Yeah, I was going to say, Kimberly, she might get more than she bargained for trying to set this guy up for murder. He might actually kill her. Yeah. That was it was basically like, wow, you picked the one guy who actually might be a rapist because he's uh, you can only see his chin. That's the guy you choose to go with. And he's a butcher. And he has he just happens to have like assault and stalking charges on his resume. And he drove a car to a party. In the Bowery in New York. Right. That's a really good Apparently drove home with the mask still on. Yes, yes. That's not good for your peripheral vision. (laughs) No. Now, to underline the point that Vinny is dangerous, we see him with a meat cleaver in the air, like up by his face. Hmm. Hey, Vinny? Don't interrupt the man mid-hack. We've got to ask you a few questions, so please put the cleaver down. 
Like he's swinging that from above his head. Is he a butcher or a lumberjack? <laughs> I'm a vegetarian, so I'm the wrong one to ask about the proper meat cutting techniques. But I did like how he yelled at the detectives for like, don't come up behind a guy who's holding a cleaver. Like that's like you're known to that. Those are the rules of being in a butcher shop, I guess. Yeah, you don't you don't yell at him in mid hack. Yeah, that's what he said. It, it did feel like the writers were going like a lot a lot of stretching with dialogue is like that's something that they thought like a butcher would say. But then they also had that weird thing where Liv was talking about um, Haley's social media profiles, and she was like, "Does she have any?" Anonymous profiles, like, does she have a Finsta? And I was like, ooh. <laughs> Hashtag, like, on the moment, Liv. Good for you. Wait, like, is that a real thing? Or yeah, is it yeah. Like- Finsta is like a fake Instagram account you set up. It's like it's like your alternate Instagram oh. account that you don't want your parents to see. You didn't know about that? It's not a separate it's service. It's called a Finsta. Like a faux uh, Insta. Like your daughter has like four like of them. Like an alien. Oh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the, the 60-year-olds in the writing room, like, actually did their research this time, you're saying? One of them has a niece. Now they go to Vinny's house to search it And remember all the lights are off in the bedroom Except for this tiny white spotlight Trained on the bed where the clown mask is resting (laughs) Like it's a a museum piece Right And once again um, in the magical world of law and order universe real estate Which you know I You hate I know you hate when I bring up That room, that apartment lived in by this like ridiculous 20 something butcher who's picking up 16 year olds at some club he actually drove to has like 17 rooms. Like apartments, the apartments are not that big. They're just not. I don't care. No, he would actually have roommates like scattered all over the floor. (laughs) That's in real life, right? Like, Like on a futon. And one sleeping in the bathroom just so he can afford that rent. Well, apparently he's making so much money on the side selling expired meat to restaurants. <laughs> That's true. This is why people get sick in New York City. That's true. That's true. What was the guy's name? Uh, Jose something? I think it was just Jose, right? No, he had like a funny name. It was like Dark Jose or something like really strange. <laughs> well, Vinny's last name is Drago, which yes. is the... The freaking um, dragon on Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. And it's also like Draco Malfoy. I yes. feel like, again, the writer's room was like, what's an evil sounding name? Yeah. Draco. It's somebody who could go along with this chin. It's also the name of a mass murderer and from a very famous case from our neck of the woods, New Hampshire, Carl Drago. Remember? No, those are all Ooh. three different names. It's Drago. Yeah. That's Carl Draga. Okay. And it's Draco Malfoy. <laughs> okay. Yes. But they all sound the same. They Super all sound evil. evil. They, sound, they all yeah. sound like mustache twisting douchebags. Exactly. <laughs> if there were a mustache underneath that clown mask, he would be twisting it. <laughs> we have a Hey, It's That Guy. We do? Yeah. Hey, it's that guy. Who knows the actor who played Haley's dad, Chris Sadler? You mean his super, super obsessed weirdo dad? Yeah. Will Sasso. That's right. It's Will Sasso. Chris, please. No, I want to help search. All right? Sasso, it's not a good idea. She's my little girl. All right? She's out there. She's alone. She's cold. She's afraid. He's best known as Curly from the 2012 Three Stooges reboot. Oh, that's what he... Really? <laughs> that's not how I knew him. How did you know him? I just as a comedian, and he's in a lot of things, like on TV pilots, probably, that didn't get picked up. But... <laughs> well, you can't see him now in Kevin Probably Saves the World. 
with uh, with Jason Ritter yes. on ABC. Hmm. Uh, some people were like tweeting at us that they thought that uh, he was not used the best way that he should have been a knock 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 kind yeah. of character. Instead, instead he of... was like Dad McGuffin, <laughs> like <laughs> Dad Red Herring. <laughs> what do you mean? Because of that one comment that the mom made? Yeah, like he loves her more than he loves me, and then there's also weird things like she's my life. She gives yep. me shit about being a garbage man, but I'm totally obsessed with her anyway. Like that was weird. The whole thing was weird. Kimberly, you could see him playing a garbage man, though, right? Well, he's definitely like a blue collar type guy. And I did think he might be the killer because I recognized him. You know, when they throw in an actor who's a little too recognizable for that mm-hmm. role, yes. you think, oh, they must be the killer. So that kind of that tricked me. <laughs> so Stone is at this bar, right? And he looks up and sees the screen. And uh, there's a video of Haley pretending to play the piano. On Inside Report. Was discovered as a musical prodigy by a preschool teacher at three years old. Her parents, Anna, a substitute teacher, and Chris, a sanitation engineer. And all of a sudden, the piano music swells so much you can't even hear the reporter anymore. Right, right. Rebecca, what was happening? Well, first of all, Olivia showed up at that bar. Mm -hmm. And all I could think of was like, how, why... Was she there? Like, well, there's only two bars in New York. But do they have right? a plan to like meet up later to talk about why you won't indict this guy? I think <laughs> really that's the first thing you learn about a new ADA is what bar do they drink at? No, I, yeah, I think he went. He said, "Where did Barba drink? Where did the guy before Barba drink? Where did those two blondes drink? Uh, Where did the lesbian who got fired Bobby, drink? Bobby Flay's wife? Where did Bobby Flay's wife drink? And then I'm gonna go there. That's where we go. They get a discount on the alcohol or something. No, I think he would like make a forced comment about asking where his father drank in the first four seasons of Law and Order. Mm, where yeah. did my dad go to drink in 1994? Where did he go to drink to get over the pain of having to visit my schizophrenic sister? <laughs> Which we we're were, not there yet. Yeah. We're not there yet. But I mean that that whole scene was so funny because this whole first half was so strangely paced for an SVU episode Mm -hmm. and I know we'll talk about it but like every single twist and turn of the episode happened in the last five minutes of the episode (laughs) yes so the first half and like the first half of the second half all seemed like weirdly stretched out and the tension in the first half is like by the way, we got to actually meet some scene of crime people at the at the dump, which was fun. Mm-hmm. Like seeing the people who actually put on gloves and aren't wearing beautiful outerwear all the time, like looking through garbage bags. That was cool. You're saying we may never find Haley. We'll keep looking, but at some point, someone with a higher pay grade is going to want to nix the overtime. We got to see Rollins like looking really shaken when she hears about like the DNA match on the blood. Like all mm-hmm. the cop stuff is stretching it way out. And one of those things is they're stretching out Stone's indecision about charging Draco or whatever his name is. Vinny. Just go with Vinny. Vinny and uh, Olivia. Because it's not any better. And Olivia being like, it's time to charge yeah. him. It's time to charge him. Apparently charge him means like bring him to trial the next day. But that's a whole other separate yeah. thing. <laughs> uh, and, 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 the, and he's just like, no, 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 I can't. There's no body. There's no body. There's no body. And then he watches her playing the piano. And when we saw that, I, I turned to you and I was like, oh, now she's worth something. <laughs> <laughs> she's white and she has a talent. Yep. It's time to charge someone. <laughs> I wrote in my notes because she's white. Yeah. Literally says that in my notes. When Liv was like, put every toll booth in the state, get every. Re-, I was like, oh, because she's white. It's the whole reason she was on TV. But piano playing pushed it over the edge. Yes. And and I did like how the actress, of course, you know, if she really were a prodigy and they were doing a report on her, they would show 
her, her fingers, hands? her hands. <laughs> Instead, they just see her shoulders just kind of moving back and forth. She did some good shoulder acting yes. there where it's like not lip syncing, it's shoulder syncing. Yeah, piano syncing. Yeah. <laughs> I was so thrown by the acting of her friend at the beginning when she lost her, the overacting on the street. Like it went, she went to 11 immediately. <laughs> and I thought maybe that girl should have played the victim. Because she would have had less acting to do. And I was considering swapping them in my mind. But then when I saw the shoulder acting, I was like, no, this is right. This is I, how it's supposed to be. Well, I had another question about the friend. So I don't remember what Haley's Jenny or whatever her name mm. was. So they're supposed to be like students at a music school, right? Yeah. They're in New York ostensibly for music school purposes. A field trip, yeah. And then Jenny is like, she may, she, we all know she's going to play at Carnegie Hall someday or whatever. I went to Carnegie Hall and um, that place where the Philharmonic plays. Lincoln Center. Yes. Oh, like she doesn't know that? She doesn't know that? Yeah. I'm like, this is a music school field trip. This is not like the regular school field trip. And then Rollins has this huge overreaction on her face when she's like, Lincoln Center? <laughs> Goodness. <laughs> Could she even afford to go there? <laughs> How do you know about that being here from Beaver Falls? <laughs> she was so shocked by everything in this episode, Rollins. She was. She was shaken. Yeah. She shaken was. to the core. Shook it. <laughs> yes. Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait, you look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money? A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV, starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money, which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start, Start saving, saving today. today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer. Sling. All right, now let's take a look at the second half of Can't this episode. Wait. I have never been more excited for the second half of an episode than I have for this one. Can we just start at the last five minutes? Because I feel like that's where the episode should have started. All right, we got, we got to push our way through this, okay. though. All right, the trial of Vinny Drago begins, and his lawyer is all like, hey, no disrespect, <laughs> but they ain't got nobody. Literally. The defense is claiming that your daughter ran away. Do you think that's possible? Absolutely not. No, she was she was she was happy. She was she was well adjusted. Never had any problems. She, she would never do anything like that. Not to her mother. Not to me. They also ain't got no witness because piano teacher James Turner has skipped court. Carisi and Rollins go to Beaver Falls, Pennsylvania, to find him, but his wife doesn't know where he is. They search his in-home studio and find photos of Haley posing for him in naughty ways, and it's clear <laughs> someone's been banging on the piano. Mm. I love that joke. Why doesn't anybody laugh at that joke? All right, yeah. <laughs> because we're talking about an, we're talking about a fake inappropriate relationship with a teenager, oh, Kevin. We know it gets worse. They track down the former <laughs> songwriting partner who says he lent Turner his house on Oyster Bay. They go there and find Turner in bed with Haley. <gasps> she wasn't dead at all. <gasps> Could there be a bigger twist? <laughs> yes, yes. Good. <laughs> on the way back to New York, they each admit to setting up Vinny because they wanted to be together. They have a special connection, a very special connection. <laughs> It's a very tense reunion with Haley's parents at the station. Dad wants to beat up Turner, but Mom has the ultimate gut punch. She reveals that she had an affair with Turner 17 years ago, <gasps> and 
please God, no, please God, no, please God, no. <laughs> Haley is actually his daughter. Oh, no. And all of America throws up at the same time. <laughs> As does everyone in the squadron. That's right. Uh, but now what will the writers do with the last two minutes of this episode? Ooh, I don't know. What should they do? An attempt to make Stone seem human. He visits his sister who's been in an institution with schizophrenia. Okay, so let's start at the trial. On the stand, they ask Haley's friend if she recognizes the man in the clown mask, and she says, it's him. And I'm like, no, you don't recognize him. He was wearing a creepy as fuck clown mask the whole time. His chin. I would know that chin anywhere. I mean, I get the lawyer's, you know, defense attorney's, like, strategy, but I'm like, even that one, you could just, like, rip her apart. Uh, really? You recognize him? This was the most- Hey, no disrespect, but he was wearing a mask. (laughs) Yeah, but this also was the most, like, ridiculous manipulation of timeline that has ever happened on any episode that we've ever talked about on the show. You know, they always, like, mess with, like, when trials happen. Uh We know things take, like, a year- this was literally cut from a scene in the bar where she's trying to get him to charge the guy to the trial, and everyone is still in New York for the field trip. <laughs> like the, the, the witness is still there, the friend, uh, the music teacher still there. Everyone's just still hanging around. So, Kimberly, do you think it was like they said, "Hey, uh, can we get a courthouse on Wednesday, maybe, to start a murder trial? Is that good with everybody?" <laughs> I think this whole thing about the rush for her is because the detectives freak out when an innocent girl from another area comes to New York and goes missing. It's like, I think Mm -hmm. they care a little less when it's a New York local, but when it's someone from out of town and it'll give their city a bad name if it goes public, Uh they're like, we have to solve this right now. The the yeah. mayor said heads are going to roll if we don't find this guy. PP1. One PP. PP1. Whatever. That's one PP, Paw Patrol. This girl came from Beaver Falls, which is the birthplace of Joe Namath. <laughs> which, thank you for letting us know that, Ice-T. Uh, so, Turner came up with this elaborate plan for Haley to disappear. Mm. And all he has to do is testify against Vinny to get away with it. Why the hell does he blow town in that moment? Right in that moment. <laughs> I don't know. Why is his plan also to travel the world with yep. her and have her be famous while they're also pretending she's dead? <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> the whole thing makes no sense. Well, it makes sense for a 16-year-old to come up with that story. But he's a grown <laughs> yeah. man that should have been like, huh, are we going to get you reconstructive surgery on your face? That's right. Because if we go public, everyone thinks you're dead, honey. How about this? I'll wear glasses and not use my last name like Kimberly from Date with Dateline. No one will know it's me. <laughs> There's also that, that field trip to Turner's house in Beaver Falls, which mm-hmm. is, by the way, the funniest name town yes. ever in the history of SVU, even though it's ostensibly a real town. No, not ostensibly. It actually is a real town. I know. Town, right? It's still funny, though. Every time they say Beaver Falls, I turn to you and I'm okay. like, that's what she said. <laughs> I thought Finn was going to look at the camera and go, what, what? Beaver Falls. <laughs> I thought like every time they like went to the Beaver Falls and they passed the sign that said, welcome to Beaver Falls, one of the SVU detectives was going to be like, I can't look at that. <laughs> <laughs> can't take the job home I with can't me. take it. But, but, but I will say like- I need a new map. When they went to Beaver Falls and they went to his like depressing like um, split level house with a studio in the basement mm. with the sheets on the crappy old leather couch, the wife, way too fucking attractive to be with that guy, period- Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> and also, and I don't mean to be like gross because obviously the guy's like has a weird thing for the 16 year old, but like 
also way more attractive than the 16 year old the wife yeah <laughs> like it was a very strange the are casting. you putting down the sexiness of a 16 no. year old girl i'm saying that like the wife mm-hmm. was fine and was not well cast for the beleaguered clueless but Rebecca, i don't know what my husband you're is doing underestimating wife. the power of genetic sexual attraction <laughs> Which is the underlying... You know what you're also underestimating? The power of music. Because the wife right. the wife of the music teacher specifically says, I'm not really much for music. Maybe right. you shouldn't have married a music teacher. Right. And that's right. why there's something missing in your marriage. Because he is yeah. his love for music goes above all else. And Kimberly, take it from me. People with recording studios in their basement are trouble. <laughs> No, we're literally sitting in one of those right now. But we don't have a creepy couch with actual sheets on it in this room. (laughs) No, it's in the other room. So let's just talk about the big reveal. Oh, Turner banged Haley's mom, and he's been getting it in with his own daughter. I just got to say, those two don't even look alike. Mm, Yeah, that's true. But that's where we're going with realism on the show. It was okay. (laughs) They don't look alike. That's your issue. Yeah. There was also like a weird, like we were supposed to believe that they'd been sleeping together before, right? Yeah. Yeah. So like, why were all the quote naughty pictures of her that were hidden in his piano bench? A, she was fully dressed in all of them. Uh-huh. Yeah. And the sexiest one, like she was licking a lollipop. Yeah. Like, is that a thing? Like, that's a thing that you would have someone that you weren't sleeping with uh-huh. do. Right. Well, I would just say that probably <laughs> incest is fine, but child pornography is a step too far. Uh. I think this show crosses all of those, <laughs> unapologetically crosses all of them, and then tries to convince us that, like, oh, it's super common. Liv just knows about it and, like, tells us about the syndrome. Like, like she's talking about the way you cook a chicken and the temperature the oven should be. Like, it's so matter-of-fact. So how... <sighs> it's called genetic sexual attraction when a father and daughter don't grow up in the same household and then they meet as adults it can happen i actually knew about the syndrome did you guys not know about the syndrome what is going on in your thanksgiving dinners (laughs) (laughs) she's been covering dateline on her podcast of course she knows about this i am drawn to the weird creepy like strange my strange addiction type shows so i've actually seen quite a few things on this syndrome well, I don't think most of America did because everybody's um, sphincter muscles tightened <laughs> when they went. Re- it was one time, one time, 17 years ago. Anna? So you want to talk about real? Yeah, it's real. Do the math. When she said, do the math, we all did the math. And yeah, freaked yeah. out. Yeah. Let's talk about that minute, though, because it, it, it obviously it's such a campy reveal, but it really built up to, I don't know, did you see that coming? No, not at all. I was, the mom was acting kind of weird, mm-hmm. and she was acting weird about the teacher, so I kind of thought they had a thing, but then the dad was crying all the time too much, and I thought, there's something weird going on, but no, I did not see that coming. And just because I knew about the syndrome, I'd like to say I don't support it. I'm not, like, <laughs> in favor of it. You're not advocating for genetic sexual activity. Uh, I'm so relieved that you clarified that because that's what we <laughs> were thinking. <laughs> all I have to say is, that, like, leading up to it, there were all these great moments leading up to that scene mm-hmm. that 
I completely forgot about because of that scene that when I went back and watched it a second time and I was like, oh, all these great things happened. Like Finn had a classic like tell it to the judge moment in the car. You mean where he literally said, you tell that to the judge. Tell it to the judge. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like all these great things happen. And um, that was unbelievable. A, and the other thing that was weird was that like, again, this is one of those things where like talking about it makes me sound like a horrible, horrible person. Mm-hmm. But if you are a 16-year-old piano prodigy, even if that dude is your dad, is that the dude you're going to (laughs) pick? Really? Like, that's the dude you're going to pick. I would have rather had the other adult musician dude, the one who had the appointment with, um, you know. Lin-Manuel. Lin-Manuel, yeah. Alan Hubert. 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 No, not Hubert. Hubert. Well, I think Haley's reaction was pretty priceless. It makes perfect sense. What? I've always felt this connection. We both love music and art. We're alike. I knew my father couldn't be a garbage man. I just knew it. I knew my father couldn't have been a garbage man. (laughs) Oh, my God. She is smiling like a Stepford wife. Yep. Like she is in in heaven. And I realize she really is kind of a B word. Like she's an elitist arts snob for sure. Mm -hmm. Uh And she you know, she's been making fun of her dad for being a garbage man. He says that on the stand. Then she's like, I knew my dad couldn't be a, a garbage man. Also, she didn't care that her poor friend thinks she's dead. Her parents think she's dead. And she framed this innocent douchebag guy. I mean, she's not a winner. No, but I bet she knows uh, where the New York Philharmonic performs. So there's that. <laughs> <Yes>. she-, <laughs> she knows the name of that venue. <laughs> Wouldn't that be part of the field trip? Lincoln Center? You'd think. Yeah. You'd think. Yes. Good point. You know what's so funny? It's like, you can, like there are other episodes where there are disgusting crimes that uh-huh. happen on the show. We've talked about them many times. Yeah. And we always do that weird disclaimer that you do about fictional sex and mm-hmm. fictional whatever. And like you know, kids, and we make those jokes and we feel dark and weird about it. This episode is so, excuse my language, fucking crazy that I don't even feel guilty making fun of a fictional child's fictional sexual fantasies. Like, it is insane. It is so cuckoo bananas that we saw it and we immediately said, stop the presses. <laughs> this is our next episode of These Are Their Stories. That's right. I don't care if there's a, uh, a uh, real life connection. I don't care if there's a guest. I don't care if there's a guest. It'd just be the two of us talking about it. I don't care if there's a microphone. Thanks for being our unicorn, Kimberly. I'm so honored that it's me. I'm so honored. I will say his his reaction, the teacher, was um, was spot on. It was America's reaction. You've been sleeping with your own daughter. But it makes her reaction even so much weirder. Yeah. He, he started he to, to throw to up in his mouth. Yeah. He threw Ugh. up in his mouth not a little, but a lot. Yes. He was all of us at that moment. And <laughs> she's like, oh, I'm so happy. I found my dad. And he's a music <laughs> teacher. But I hate to say it, but it seemed like he got over it pretty quick and was calling for her again. Yeah, do, do you That's think they're true. like making plans for the daddy-daughter dance? Like, Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Now, Stone takes up the obligation of his father, OG Law and Order character Ben Stone, to visit his sister who's in an institution. Brought you something. Daddy. No. It's me, Peter. 
Now, they say that she has schizophrenia. Do the writers know the difference between schizophrenia and Alzheimer's? No. Oh, my God. Thank you. <laughs> I was I was asking my parents. I was looking it up online. Yeah. I was so confused. They also don't know the difference between an institution and Downton Abbey. <laughs> <laughs> Let me see. Would oh you would God. you make, build a, a mental home around a giant fireplace? Would you <laughs> with dark mahogany wood, like right. Yeah. Right. curtains draping? Yeah. What? Oh my God! It's also supposed to get him to be what? And we're not making fun of the mentally ill no. uh, people. People with mental illness, obviously. But the way the show treats it is so comical because everybody who has a person with like severe mental illness in their family and i will say i am among them we know that like the whole idea that like my dad used to visit her and now i have to do it right it doesn't make you sound like a better guy <laughs> when you're like it was an obligation that my dad used to have Mm-mm. and now it's mine like i'm sorry do you love her do you care? Or is it literally just a chore, like taking out the freaking trash yeah. that you now have to do? Is he also taking the job because of the dad? Is that? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Pretty well, much. I mean, his dead dad. So his whole life is because of what the dad did. Yeah, he got pressured into it by McCoy. Yeah, so he's just. No, no, apparently he, he did it just so he could visit his sister. Who he hates. At Down Abbey. <laughs> who doesn't seem to know him because she has a split personality disorder? No, no. no? Uh, schizophrenia is not multiple personality right, but disorder. but that's like, a, no, go ahead. Schizophrenia is like a severe mental illness, but like they legit did not in any way portray no. anything close to like the typical DSM, like schizophrenia Unless stuff. there's like a really rare kind of it where you just have- Maybe- amnesia or, or and, I think and, if she had had a ton of treatments for it yeah then those could have altered her memory like perhaps living with it in the treatment oh maybe like it, a maybe. like electroshock therapy perhaps, yeah like that was the case the ECV I think it's perhaps called that was the case but let's just go ahead and just say that like if you are institutionalized and you're in a place where you can't leave people have to visit you the way they will visit you will not be next to a giant open roaring fire with no supervision where you are sitting by yourself for an indeterminate period of time <laughs> at Downton Abbey. We have a fireplace. It takes a lot of work to tend that. Who, is, is, is the orderly coming over, throwing a new log on every 15 minutes? Nurse Ratchet. Pushing around. The, yeah. It's really bad. The whole thing was so bad. And then he gave her the candy, the snowball, whatever it was, and then that made her be like, oh, dad, you're my dad. But wait, wait, wait. Didn't you notice that that dessert in the wrapper was called Cuckoo Nutter Butter. <laughs> was it? What? Yeah, like Cuckoo Nuts. <laughs> but no. Cuckoo Nutter Butter, or Cuckoo Nutter. That's offensive so for offensive. someone in a mental hospital. Why would you bring anything labeled Cuckoo into a mental hospital? That is very, that's very offensive. I think uh, the writers know as much about mental illness as they do about ravers. <laughs> <laughs> Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait. You look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money. A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start saving today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer. 
seen all the video call fails by now. The mute button mishaps, the cat cameos, people not realizing the camera's on when their pants are off. But none of this makes Fred feel any better about giving an entire sales pitch, mistakenly using a filter that turns him into an itsy-bitsy baby duck. How do I turn this thing off? It's too late, Fred. It's too late. When you realize it's better to do business in person, it matters where you stay. Welcome to the Hilton Garden Inn, Fred. The meeting room is right down the hall. Hilton, for the stay. Let's take a look at the real-life story that inspired this episode. Please tell me there isn't one. There is one. It's time for Rip from the Headlines. Oh, shit. You think you know who did it. You think you know who did it. But you don't know who did it. You don't know who did it. Rip from the Headlines. This episode gets its inspiration from the 2018 story of Stephen Walter Pladel. While in his 20s, the Virginia man and his wife gave up a baby girl for adoption. When she turned 18, Katie Pladel reached out to her biological parents on social media. Pladel invited his long-lost daughter to stay with him and their two other children. Four months after Katie moved in, Pladel's wife moved out. Katie and Stephen began their own consensual relationship. Pladel insisted his children refer to their 20-year-old sister as their stepmother. In July of last year, the couple got married, although they legally can't wed. In September, Katie gave birth to her father's child, a baby boy. Pladel's estranged wife learned of their union and notified authorities. The two were arrested in February and faced several charges, including incest with an adult. Both Stephen and Katie Pladel faced between one to five years in prison and a $2,500 fine. February 2018? Yeah, just a couple of weeks ago. This went down. See, when it was ripped from the headlines, they don't waste, they don't, those writers don't waste any time. Wait, wait. They don't even bother Googling the other shit. Do, are they able to look in the future? <laughs> was this the episode that, like, instead of the Trump episode, they're like, we have to just make another one quick? What's in the paper today? <laughs> <laughs> We're just out of ideas. Quick, hand me the post. Oh, my so, God. So, I guess uh, Stephen Plato is uh, out, of, he's out of jail. Uh, oh. Made bail. Last we heard, the daughter wife is still behind bars. Oh, daughter wife. <laughs> I can't even. <laughs> well, like Benson said in the episode, it's considered a case of genetic sexual attraction. It's a real thing. It occurs when it's very some parents and ch- children who meet as adults, <laughs> they didn't grow up together. There's a distinction between that, between incest and sexual assault of a minor and, and between that and this phenomenon, which in clinical terms is known as skeezy as fuck. <laughs> so uh, Kimberly you seem to be the only expert. person yeah the only expert <laughs> on genetic sexual attraction other than the elite squad of the SVU unit what do you what other stories have you heard about this well there was this documentary I saw clips of and it was like a British thing because they're pretty freaky over there and <laughs> um, it was called I think like brothers and sisters who love each other or something <laughs> brothers and sisters in love oh. and it was about that and then I think there was a mom and a son, and the mom was, you know, an, an older lady, and the son was quite a bit obviously younger, because he's the son, um, biology, and they, <laughs> yeah, got together, and they were trying to not get arrested, and they were not having kids, though. Most of them were like, no, we don't want to mess with genetics in that way. Oof. We're not having kids. It's flowers in the attic, but in the real world. Yes. Yeah. Yes, basically. <laughs> yeah. I think it's like it's like something gets switched in your brain. Like you meet them as an adult and you have such strong 
love feelings for him, but you're an adult, so your mind goes to romance sex feelings. It's like the switches get crossed. Well, this is the thing, and like I am not justifying this bullshit at all. But think about what happens when you meet somebody, unlike the music teacher and his wife in this Mm -hmm. episode. When you're an adult and you meet somebody, it's like, oh, we have so much in common. We feel this way about this kind of food. We feel this way about this political thing. We feel this way Uh about this kind of music. We're on the same family tree. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they do say you kind of subconsciously recognize genetic traits in them. Like Mm -hmm. there's this... Mm -hmm. You kind of seek someone who has a little bit similar facial structures sometimes. So maybe subconsciously you see that sort of connection. Yeah. Again, not justifying. But I'm staring at Kevin right now looking for similarities. (laughs) You don't have a goatee that I can see. I I pluck it out, but I am Italian. I could get it in like two days if you wanted me to. So when Katie moved in, Stephen started sleeping on the floor next to her bed. (laughs) Should, uh, Should the mom have been more concerned Yes. Yes. This is that a real terrible. question? Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Kimberly, this is like a this is like a uh, an avian mating ritual. It's like he's just gonna lie in the bed till she notices him. <laughs> like honestly, it's so. But the thing is, they knew though, right? They knew they were yes, father and daughter. Yeah. See, I get it more when you don't know. At least in the SVU version. Yeah. At least in the SVU version, they were like. They couldn't have known because the mom lied or whatever. Like, like I've heard of brothers and sisters getting accidentally set up on dating sites or finding their their sibling on a dating right. site. So that well, that happens on SVU at least every other season. Exactly. <laughs> but and then I would get it. But there is that sort of connection that genetic or like pheromones or something that's similar. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they totally knew. And there were kids in the house. Yeah. Like, did you say four kids? That's no. There were two younger daughters. Look, the youngest daughter is always looking for attention. She's got to be like, well, dad is never going to notice me now. Oh, Oh, God. After all this shit. I'm throwing up my mouth right now. Oh, God. Those poor children need so much therapy right now. I immediately want you and me to do one of those stupid 23andMe things just so we can make sure (laughs) that it doesn't match because I used to be attracted to you until I noticed that you could maybe be my brother. Maybe. Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, this is so good. This is like a Dr. Phil therapy session. I love it. Is it wrong that I still want to do you? Speaking of, I think there was an episode of Dr. Phil or maybe Dr. Drew, one of those shows with... This, uh, what do they call it? Syndrome? Yeah, I guess. There was, yeah, because I was doing some Googling and I saw it. And it was two sis, two women who had had intimate relationships with their fathers that they met. Oh. Yeah. As adults. Yeah. I didn't watch it. Wait, the same father? No, different. They just shared that. They're each their yes, own fathers. each their own fathers, but they now have a sisterhood, if you will, of ladies who have slept with their fathers. There's a fucking club? <laughs> no, I just... They have jackets and stuff? <laughs> Listen, they, you, we, we've, we've heard the expressions MILF and DILF. Yeah. It's not supposed to refer to your own mom or dad. No. That's true. It's just not. No. That's going to do it for us. We want to thank our guest, Kimberly, from the Date with Dateline podcast. So good. Kimberly, where can our listeners follow you online? Uh, we are online, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, Date Dateline, and on all your podcast apps and iTunes. And please, yeah, and you really, if you love this show, uh, these are their stories, like, you should listen to Date with Dateline. It'll be your jam. It is fantastic. Rebecca, how can our listeners follow you? Uh, I host Crime Writers On, our flagship show. I'm also on Slate's Mom and Dad are Fighting, the parenting podcast. 
unbelievably. I might get kicked off after this episode, though. <laughs> and you can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at Reb Lavoy. And you can track me on Twitter at Kevin P. Flynn. You can also tweet to us at Law and Order Pod or follow us on Instagram at These Are Their Stories Podcast. Our newsreader was Cy Freider. Our theme music was composed and performed by Uncanny Valleys. Content assistance from Travis Roy. Lily Flynn slings the swag. To get ad-free episodes of These Are Their Stories a week early, sign up for Stitcher Premium. Get your first month free at stitcherpremium.com slash crime. Crime. All clips in this podcast were used in compliance with the U.S. Copyrights Act, fair use exemption for criticism and commentary. Special thanks to the elite squad of the Law & Order Wiki community for preserving the evidence. If you want to know what episodes we're talking about on our upcoming shows, go to lawandorderpodcast.com. Sign up for our newsletter for a chance to be our next Law & Order Marathon winner. These Are Their Stories was recorded in the yoga loft above the bodega in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi studio, and is a production of Partners in Crime Media. Partners in in Crime crime media. Media. We've seen all the video call fails by now. The mute button mishaps, the cat cameos, people not realizing the camera's on when their pants are off. But none of this makes Fred feel any better about giving an entire sales pitch, mistakenly using a filter that turns him into an itsy-bitsy baby duck. How do I turn that thing off? It's too late, Fred. It's too late. When you realize it's better to do business in person, it matters where you stay. Welcome to the Hilton Garden Inn, Fred. The meeting room is right down the hall. Hilton, for the stay.